Uh, I've seen it also. Uh, I obviously, didn't I didn't know at the time, but I've seen a child having very unusual seizure-like activity. And I remember speaking to the neurologist immediately after describing what I'd seen, and he said to me then, I think it could be um, something like the uh, anti-NMDA receptor autoantibody encephalitis, which is what the child ended up um, having. Yeah. And- Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week I've got Graham again and we're both wearing masks. Good afternoon, Hope- Roger. you got a very attractive mask on. Yeah, ho- hopefully the audio quality is um, good. It's it. It's it. it sounds good. We're, we're not in lockdown. I better put my cans on. Yeah. Oh, Graham's forgot to put his earphones oh, on. Oh, that's heaps better. Um, I think we- I've told you before, Roger, that my wife blames the male of the human species for all of women's problems. For example, menstruation <laughs> and gynaecology. <laughs> Even hysterectomies. Have you been? Uh, did you spend like ten minutes preparing for this podcast? And all you did was look up that. <laughs> it just came into my mind because mm-hmm. uh, the topic today is something that links uh, gynecological conditions with uh, psychiatric conditions. Yes, well, you know, there's a long history of that, isn't there? It hysterectomy, is. that's the name of the... Hysteri- uh, hysterectomy is removal of the uterus to cure hysteria. Yeah, the wandering womb. Yeah, mm. we won't get into that. No. We're going to start off with a case history, aren't we? Do you want to... Absolutely. Sure. So uh, I was brought, uh, it was brought to my attention in about the early part of the year 2009 that there was a newly described medical condition. The reason I was uh, made aware of the condition is because a young woman who was approximately three to four months postpartum developed uh, symptoms of paranoia, um, almost certainly hallucinosis, um, some agitation and psychosis and was uh, referred to a psychiatric service for care. And when she arrived in hospital, she started to have seizures and was sent to a um, a tertiary uh, adult hospital yep. where the diagnosis of this condition was made. Where were you working at the, at the time? I was working in rural Western Australia. <clears throat> and the condition that we're describing is the anti-NMDA receptor autoantibody encephalitis. Okay. Uh, and my understanding is it was only first described in 2007 in the US yep. by, um, by a Spanish physician, neurologist, who spent a lot of time investigating paraneoplastic syndromes. Yep. And so that's, uh, for some of the listeners, that's where uh, can- cancer cells release um, endocrine-type molecules which cause weird and uh, unusual effects in distant parts of the body. Is that the correct definition correct. of paraneoplastic syndrome? That's correct. And often they're um, so antibodies. Like, yeah, so antibodies or sometimes they're even like... Um, Chemicals, chemicals like um, neurotransmitters, or just yeah, you know, um, serotonins and all sorts of weird things. Yeah, I think the classic case is um, myasthenia gravis. Yep. To anti-thymoma antibodies. Yeah. 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 So, so someone has a, a weird cancer or a condition, cancerous condition, malignant condition, and they get these weird, weird syndromes. Okay. And so Tell us thank, more about. We're going to thank Dr. Joseph Dalmo Obrador. Yep, we'll put a link to. Um, there's a little. Um, there's an article that you've found, mm. haven't you? Which has got a, like a bio explain yeah, 
describing his career and um, how he was involved in discovering the syndrome. Indeed. Anyway, the um, condition uh, can also be an autoimmune type encephalitis. And so it is associated with a gynecological condition of ovarian teratoma. Yes, so the classic um, original sort of you know, papers that came out in the first few years, you know, most of them were young women who had ovarian teratomas, uh, gynecological, and the treatments initially were like taking them to theatre and doing um, oophorectomies, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, and I know that um, Dr. Yi uh, Leong, who works here in uh, our uh, institute, was involved in um, some cases uh, early Yes, earlier this decade, where he was asked to go over to ICU at another hospital and, uh, with women suffering from this, and and do surgery on them to help on their treatment. So, yeah, and I'm pretty sure some of the clinicians from this hospital have been to the tertiary hospitals in the last twelve months for the same reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's the first time I uh, learned about it. I remember Yee coming up to me in theatre in 2013 and telling me, uh, "Oh, what do you know about NMDA receptors?" And he seemed quite surprised when I rattled off all the pharmacology of it, because obviously, as you, most anaesthetists know, that's uh, how ketamine works. Yes, yes. And then he proceeded to tell me about this case he was involved in. So, mm. And that was the first I'd ever heard of it. Yes. Mm. Uh, I've seen it also. Uh, I obviously didn't, I didn't know at the time, but I've seen a child having very unusual seizure-like activity. And I remember speaking to the neurologist immediately after describing what I'd seen, and he said to me then, I think it could be um, something like the uh, anti-NMDA receptor autoantibody encephalitis, which is what the child ended up um, having. Yeah. And uh, to my knowledge, she didn't have any ovarian uh, teratoma. It sometimes follows conditions like like HSV encephalitis. Yes, I was reading that. Um, and males have had it too. Yeah, um, so it's not ex- exclusively a female sort of gynecological um, perineoplastic syndrome, but... That was how it was originally discovered, and that still makes they, they still make up a large proportion of the syndrome, don't they? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and I was like thinking back. So when I was in two thousand and three, I just spent twelve months working in a tertiary ICU, and I remember we had this young woman in her mid twenties transferred to us from a, a rural centre with this really weird epilepsy, behavioural disturbance. Ended up getting intubated and put on a ventilator and sent to us. Uh, for this weird neurological condition and she was with us for like oh my really long time ended up with a tracheostomy and then she just slowly got better and and i just wonder this was back in 2003 four years before it was even described i just wonder if it was something like this it, or macta may it, well have even it been it sounds this. like it is that and she we never we had neurologists come and look at her and we could never figure, we just couldn't figure out what was wrong mm. but um she eventually got better and i don't know why uh, presumably some people can spontaneously recover do you know in your reading You've read, read a bit more around this, Graham. Well, well I think... Does, um, does it burn out? It's a, it's a long... Um, it's a protracted course. Yeah. Usually, from what I've... A little bit I've read on, on that, I think usually it seems to go for a few years. Mm. So that sounds... Maybe that's a bit un, unlikely. But I, I mean, there are some treatments that are applied now, so maybe the recovery is quicker, but it's still a long course Yeah. from the time of diagnosis to recovery, usually. Right. Um, I reckon... I, I'd say there have been many, many cases over the years... Yeah, um, misdiagnosed. That, yeah, and yeah. Pa- patients probably lingering in psych hospitals or yes. on neurological wards, or just um, with milder condi- forms of this condition. Because obviously, if it's a severe one, you end mm. up in ICU. But if you, I guess it's possible, there's lots of people out who, who out over the years have had grumbling sort of mild conditions. Yeah, I mean, there are some, under the radar. 
And there are some th- um, thoughts that maybe it is responsible for some um, schizophrenia type yeah. um, conditions yep. in the community. Um, so w- what it is, it's the development of an uh, IgG antibody against the NR1 subunit of the NMDA receptor. Okay. So do you want to explain to listeners what is the NMDA receptor and so, what does it do? So the NMDA receptor is a um, ionotropic um, glutamate um, ion channel yep. um, within the central nervous system and it's located on v- a lot of different nerves including pre- and postsynaptic sites and on interneurons but it's mainly thought to be on the postsynaptic um, aspect uh, of um, 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 the central nervous system. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's composed of multiple, um, I think it's usually four domains, and uh, the NR1 is one of the descriptions of the domains that occur on NMDA receptors, which are glutamate receptors usually. Okay, so that's already like 200% more than I knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so blo- yep. I think um, the antibody f- uh, effect... <coughs> Um, it's not sure what it does, whether it causes blockade of the neurons or whether it causes downregulation of the neurons or some other process. But a part of the um, the syndrome, the behavioural changes very much um, are very similar to patients who have high dose ketamine yeah. administration. But it's definitely also, um, I think, because the antibodies bind to it, they activate the immune system, don't they? And so then what they get is like. And all these cytotoxic cells, mm. cells that come in and start releasing, you know, like, oh, here's an infection, so it causes, like, inflammation in, yes. the, in the area yes. and damages it. Well, like, when you get inflammation, it just sort of generally damages lots of things around it. So That's correct. I think that's part of it as well, isn't it? So it's not yes. just like giving someone ketamine. No. It's like having an inflamed, infected brain. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the patients can have um, really kind of three phases of the disease that are described. Yep. The first one's a prodrome, um, which is often never recognised until later, where they have um, symptoms like fever, malaise, fatigue, yep. upper respiratory tract symptoms or um, gastrointestinal tract type symptoms, nausea and vomiting, yep. anorexia, for example. Then usually it's followed by the behavioural change uh, symptoms. Yes. That is um, agitation, paranoia, psychosis violent behaviour, for example, which often brings the patients to the attention of carers in the mental health or psychiatric field. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Before um, the development of the other symptoms, which include seizures, abnormal movement, um, impaired cognition, catatonia, memory loss, um, speech problems, Mm. and then also later often autonomic dysfunction, cardiovascular changes, respiratory changes. So I think, yeah, so I think it's, so it was first described in 2007, so I think uh, it's been 14 years now, so the recognition or n- just general awareness amongst neurology and psychiatry that it exists is pretty good now, isn't it? But, very, very high. But I imagine that initially, when it was first described, there was probably a lot of misdiagnoses, and there possibly still are, if they don't present to those sort of specialties that know of its existence. Yes. And people can just get labelled as having a... Um, psychotic problem mental health problem mm. or epilepsy or just exactly maybe they get st- stigma of you know maybe they're a drug addict or people just write them off as having some other condition yeah um 
How do you diagnose it? So it's diagnosed uh, clinically with a high clinical suspicion and then on investigations. Yeah, and what's the investigations? So it's a, it's a kind of a... There's only one sort of definitive one, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's identifying the antibodies. Yep. And they're identified either from the CSF or from the serum yep. of patients. There are some um, MRI and other medical imaging findings that may occur in the um, frontal and temporal lobes of patients, but then it's only present in less than half of patients. Yeah. And then there's some quite um, typical EEG changes. Yep. With increased slow wave activity, which is said to be in nine out of ten patients with the condition. Oh, right, that's interesting. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think most people end up having a lumbar puncture, don't they? They do. Because I think uh, um, if you don't find the antibody in, a, in a, a blood sample, it doesn't rule it out. Exactly. Yeah. It could still be in the LP. It still could result. be in the CSF, yeah. Mm. And that reminds me, I've forgotten all about this. So, so if we've just been talking about what it presents like, if people want to uh, have access to Netflix, and um, if you don't, you. Uh, what planet are you on? <laughs> this is 2021, guys. Come on. No, um, there's a movie on Netflix, isn't there, called um, Brain on Fire, which is about a girl from who's a journalist in Canada, I think it was. Oh, it might have been the US, um, who who uh, developed this syndrome and didn't get picked up for, for a very long time. Uh, have you watched it, Graham? I haven't seen it. I've heard of it. I, I you, watched I it, I you've watched seen it about four it. weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, as soon as the movie started, I said, to, "I said to my wife, I said, this woman has got anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis." I hadn't actually read the blurb. <laughs> she just goes, this, "This this one could be interesting." She fell asleep, and I watched the rest of the movie. Oh, that's good. Um, but yeah, it was just as we've described. Mm. So she had all these things. She was febrile and off work, and then she went all went crazy, and she ended up in a psych hospital. And they actually diagnosed it doing a brain biopsy. But I imagine back then they probably didn't have the. Um, autoimmune testing available because it was pretty early on in, in in the recognition of the syndrome. Had they done any medical imaging before they biopsied the brain? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Often the patients, if they're female, they'll also end up having um, imaging looking for ovarian teratoma. Yes, that's right. Mm. Yep. And uh, that um, really leads on to the management of the condition. Okay, tell us all about it. So... Um, I understand that uh, if a teratoma is found, removing the teratoma may have some benefit. Yep. But no one really knows. There's never been any randomised controlled trials looking at that particular intervention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Makes um, sense, though, isn't it? Because if it's sense. pumping out antibodies, yeah. then why not? Or, or if it's a tissue that's exposed to a, you know... It's, it's n- triggering an immune response. Yeah. yeah, blood ovarian barrier that crosses the blood-brain barrier, then it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, <clears throat> First-line treatment is immunosuppression, steroids, intravenous immunoglobulin, plasmapheresis, for example. Yep. Uh, and the second-line treatment is the use of some of the monoclonal antibody treatments, in particular rituximab, yep. which um, binds to a cell marker on B-cells yep. to prevent um, clonal expansion and increase in self-reactive B-cell. Is that the one they gave um, uh, Donald Trump for his COVID infection? I don't think so. But <laughs> Didn't they give him a cocktail of crap? I, I, I have <laughs> cared for patients who'd been on it before. Right. The unfortunate bit was they didn't really need it. Hmm. Mm. I won't say any more. Well, without giving help, it all away. It helped pump a bit of money into Big Pharma, I suppose. <laughs> oh yeah, it was just that um, it was it was the it was not the appropriate treatment for the patients. Yeah. I I've never looked after anyone with it, but I I think Munchausen's, you know, these treatments Munchausen's by proxy. <laughs> 
these <laughs> sounds like another podcast. Yes, <laughs> um, but these types of um, treatments are on the increase, aren't they? There's lots of um, research into yes, oh, and Im- this is immunotherapies. Well, yeah, and this so. is a well-established um, treatment. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, uh, other immunosuppressants, cyclophosphamide, might be helpful, and there's some theoretical uh, experimental drugs. Yep. As yeah, far as good. I know. Mm. All right. So, um, um, so I guess increased awareness. What was some of the take-home messages about this? Why, why do we choose this as a syndrome? A, it's interesting. Oh, it's very interesting. B, I think people who work in um, obstetrics, gynaecology, women's health uh, need to just know that it exists, especially if you're um, likely to be involved in the care of um, women who go a bit crazy or have some weird neurological syndromes, which we certainly, I know, we've had to do lumbar punctures in crazy patients in ASCU, mm. our HDU, for, for, to help our, um, our colleagues you know, investigate them. Don't think they turned out to be positive for anything any of these conditions, but yeah. And, and these patients, when they do get <coughs> sick, require critical care, intensive care unit yes. management. Yep. With very often very long prognoses, uh, yep. sorry, very long recovery processes and a guarded prognosis. Yep. Yep. So I think uh, from what I read, eighty um, percent will make a good recovery at two years. Yep. Six percent will die. Yeah. So so it's a serious condition. It's a serious condition. So one in twenty chance of dying if you get this. Mm. Yeah. And uh, the the rest will have residual deficits. Yeah, and so I think we didn't mention it, but it is like eighty um, percent female. And the, one of the papers I was reading that, that uh, review on, you said the, the median age is twenty one. Mm. So it's a disease of young people. You got a five percent chance of dying, uh, and what fifteen percent chance of mm. having some residual moderate to severe residual yeah, deficits. Re- residual mm. deficits with your brain. Uh, so that's bad, and. Um, and it happens in young women, but it can happen in any gender and any age, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So it's P- it is paediatric as well, and I'm sure older adults can get yeah, it. Yeah, there was a reported Dallas Cowboy NFL Yeah, that's right. I did re- remember reading about that. Yeah. condition, yeah. Yeah. Um, and may have even returned to playing the sport. Yep. After a prolonged recovery. And there is a bit of evidence that um, treating it in the early phase is more effective, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Although, as you say, no randomised trials, it's probably just observational, but hmm. that could be biased because you might just have people with a milder form of the condition, I suppose. But Yes, but I, I imagine know. a severe encephalitis must leave you leave a patient yeah. with significant residual That's loss right. of grey matter yeah, the longer, and changes longer, in the white matter. The longer your brain's inflamed and mm. getting sort of auto-destruction from all these... Um, all these um, or your own immune system, the more d- sort of permanent damage you're going to end up with. That makes yes. sense. Oh, um, what's the worst six years of a blonde's life? Third grade. <laughs> so, That's got nothing to do with neurology. What's long and hard? And, no, I can't, I can't even ask that one. <laughs> it's primary, oh, this, it's this, primary school, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> this one is a little bit uh, risque. What, why isn't there a pregnant Barbie? Because Ken came in another box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any swear words that'll that'll trigger the uh, the ro- the robot that scans the. <laughs> scans Makes me the think recording. I've been in a Barbie box. <laughs> I'll put, we'll put the photo on the um, on the uh, no. on the page. No, I don't think I will. the show notes. Okay, so on that low note, is there, any, is there any anything else we should talk about before we finish this podcast? No, I think that's it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting addition. Yeah, if you want to. Um, uh, watch the movie on Netflix. It's not a bad movie, and 
uh, just keep it in the back of your mind. It's, I think the more people know about this as a as a possible um, condition, the, the less likely it is that we'll miss it because yeah. it needs to be treated. It needs to be recognised and treated early. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Graham. Have a good day. <laughs>